Dexter Stucky presents Industry, Industry Friends. Friends. Welcome to a brand new edition of Industry Friends. I'm your host, Dexter Stucky. Super excited for today's show. Well, really, the kickoff of this season. And the main reason behind it is because. One of the things I said, the theme of this season is literally interviewing guests that I've always wanted to talk to. Since I started this show, I had a wish list of people that I wanted to talk to. And this season, I am knocking those people out. I am not physically knocking them out. (laughs) I am interviewing the people that I've wanted to talk to for so long. And what's really interesting is that everybody has progressed since the time I started the show to today. So I'm super excited about this. Now, I was talking to my wife about like this theme that I had and what I wanted to do. And she said, I think that you should interview yourself. And I was like, hey, you know, it's a little impossible to interview myself. I did do it in season one where I talked a little bit about my experience, but she's right. My experience has grown a lot in the past couple of years. And I do want to share like, you know, my own personal journey. So my industry friends guest today is me, <laughs> but I'm not going to interview myself. I'm going to have my wife actually step into the industry friends host chair and interview me. So without any further ado, I want to turn it over to my wife, Fatima. Welcome to industry friends. Thank you for having me, Dexter. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm so glad to have a chance to interview you today. So I know that you usually start your, your interviews off with um, some type of game. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to play a game that most people don't know, but we play in our house a lot, which is called Industry Friends Connections. Right. You just where... made the title up. It's called Connections, but you just said Industry Friends. I like that. I'm going I'm going I'm to go with it. I like that. Okay. So... Industry Friends Connections. Great. So, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to play a game called Industry Friends Connection. And in this game, I will pick a celebrity, right? any celebrity, it doesn't matter who they are, and then you'll pick a celebrity, any mm-hmm. celebrity, it doesn't matter who it is. And then you'll have 60 seconds to come up with a 60 connection. 60 seconds. 60 seconds, brother. 60 seconds to come up with a connection uh, with other celebrities, other TV shows, whatever the case may be, music, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. of how these two celebrities connect. Okay. So, I would like to pick this one girl who's just... Been in the news, uh, Thanos of our time. <laughs> Thanos of our time, collecting gems. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> All right, and my person is Lindsay Lohan. All right. All right, so connect Jennifer Lopez and Lindsay Lohan. Okay, give me a second and give me a pen. <laughs> All right, so your 60 seconds are up. I think I got it, though. I think I got it. Okay, so, okay, so J-Lo... J-Lo has songs with Ja Rule. Ja Rule has a bunch of songs with Ashanti. Ashanti was in John Tucker Must Die with Sophia Bush. Sophia Bush was in One Tree Hill and was engaged to Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray was Lindsay Lohan's boyfriend or love interest in um, Freaky Friday. See? You're amazing. In 60 seconds? I got it in 60 seconds. (laughs) You did. Okay. Industry Friends Connection. I love that. Let's trademark that. We should. Absolutely. So each guest, when they come on to your show, they talk about their different industries. Mm -hmm. And as someone on the inside, it's pretty hard for me to think about just one industry for you. So how would you describe your industry to others? Um, Communications professional. 
like I'm a communication specialist. So like like currently right now, my my job, my regular nine to five, I'm a communications director. And but I also do so many other things on the side. Like I work, I do part time work in, for a media company. I do work with the school district, and I and everything that I do podcasts and everything that I do centers around the communication aspect of it, the media aspect of it. And it's really funny too because this actually started from college. Like my undergrad degree is in mass communications, and I've always thought, and even in. Like when I was younger, I was always like, I'm going to be the black Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> so like, and Ryan Seacrest, what I say, what I mean by that is that he has so many different jobs and his hands is in so many different things, but they're all within communications. And I've always wanted to do that. And in college, like I, I wrote for the newspaper, I hosted a radio show, I um, produced radio shows, I hosted a television show, I created a television show, like I did everything in the media aspect and right now like I'm still doing everything in the communications aspect of it so I would consider myself a communications specialist okay so it seems you're a jack of all trades when it comes to communication <laughs> <There we go. laughs> so if there is one thing that you can really specify that is your favorite or the one that you excel in the most which which part of communications would that be um I'm, that's a hard one. I think my favorite is probably podcasting. I really enjoy it. I like the creativity behind it. Everything else that I do communication-wise is very structured. Like at every other position that I have, like I work in communications for healthcare. That's a very structured um, like line there. School districts, very structured. Um, media companies, very structured. But when you're doing a podcast, like you really do have that ability to kind of like change things around and like do what you want to do with it. And I don't think you get that freedom everywhere else. So I definitely think I enjoy that one the most. And it's the most creative too. I can see that. Um, it's so funny that you talk about podcasting because I remember the first time I heard the word podcast. Did I say it? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> so I remember when the first time I heard the word podcast and I was like, what is this? You know, you know don't really know what this is. My roommate told me about it, and then she told me about this really big podcast, and I listened to Oh, it. I think I know what it's called. What is it? Serial? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was everybody's introduction to podcasts. Yeah. So, I didn't really know much about it outside of that. And then, you start talking about it, mm -hmm. and you start doing bro talk, um, and then you had industry friends, and you just kind of took off with it. What inspired you to get into the realm of podcasting? So there's two people that I would say truly inspire both avenues of me when it comes to podcasting. With doing a podcast, physically being the talent on one, it's my friend Jason, who we who I do bro talk with. Like he said it. He's like, it's 2013. And he was like, I want to do a show. Like, because, you know, we graduated from college and stuff like that. We were in media. We had radio shows. He's like, I want to do a show and I want to put people together and I want to talk. And I'm like, so you want to do The View? He's like, I want to do it with guys, and I want it to be witty, funny, and way better than The View, which it is. <laughs> it is. So, <laughs> so he created, like Bro Talk Live, and he created it as a web show. And then when podcasts started started to get, not I wouldn't even say big, but when people started to like submit things for podcasts, he immediately submitted Bro Talk as a podcast. Like We were a podcast before... Honestly, I even knew what podcasts were. Like, I, I always credit him with, with that because I'm like, 
you knew what a podcast or how big this industry would be before most people knew it. And as far as my side hustle, which is editing podcasts for a couple of dollars, I um I credit my friend Rich with it. So someone reached out to him and they were like, it was a company, they reached out to him and they were like, hey, do you edit podcasts or know anybody who does? We're trying to get this podcast um, off the ground. And he referenced me and I was like, Rich, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know anything about that. I like edit my own stuff, but like I can't do somebody else's. And he's like, you can do it. And I was like, okay, we were in the middle of pandemic. I was paying for a wedding. So I'm like, well, any bit of money I can take, I'm going to take it. So I did it. Um, the, the show is called A New and they love my work. They had me create commercials for them. They had me do that actual podcast for them. And it was it was a lot of work, but it was actually very rewarding. And from that, I started to promote that I edit podcasts. And I have other clients now that are coming to me and paying me to edit their work and edit their podcasts. And like, I feel this sense of pride when I get it done. Because it's like, you took it from point A to point B. And when I tell you point A is like, just a bunch of talking. <laughs> you take it from a bunch of talking and you make it make sense and you tell a compelling story by editing the audio, which I think is amazing and it's super creative and I love doing that. Okay, that sounds good. So I know that you are a host on a million podcasts. <laughs> like you do a podcast once every night, sometimes two <laughs> or three a night. So, you know, most people think getting into podcasting or from what I've heard, especially with some of my students, they get into podcasting is just this very easy thing to do. Would you, how would you describe uh, the process of even starting a podcast or just, um, just the process of doing it weekly? Mm -hmm. I, I agree with them. It is a very easy thing to do. And that is the reason why a million people have podcasts. What's not easy about podcasts is the consistency, and a lot of people are not consistent. It's very easy to pick up a microphone or to sit in front of a computer and talk and express your opinion. For me, it's easy. For most people, I think that's fairly easy, just to talk and whatever. But I think the skill of podcasting is talking with relevance. relevance. Like what you're saying needs to make sense, not just to you and your friends, but it needs to make sense to multiple people because you're trying to build an audience and also be consistent. So like you can't just jump on one day, talk and did not release nothing for six months. Like, no, you have to be very consistent with one with your opinion. You also need to be very consistent with releasing the material. People will listen to you. But you got to give them something to listen to. Like, you can't just throw something out there, throw some opinions out there, and then just move on from it. Like, that is, that's podca negative podcasting 101. Um, another thing, uh, if you really wanted to get into podcasting, my biggest thing that I would recommend is just um, emailing me at industryfriendspod.com. Come on, plug. <laughs> and I can walk you through the process. For what a, uh, My consultations are free, and then I just charge to actually edit the episodes. But I, I love helping people get into podcasting. And, like, I guess, like, my biggest thing that I would say after hiring me is just to do it. Like, do it. Like, just don't say, I want to do this podcast, just sit up and just physically do it. And also when you're picking the people that you want to do the podcast with, be very selective because there's a lot of people who will be like, yeah, I'll do this with you, but they're not going to come through. Everybody doesn't come through and you got to be very selective with who you put on there. Like there's some people who have great personalities and they would be perfect for podcasts, 
but they may not want to do it. They may not be consistent with it. They may not want to promote it. And if you don't, if they're not doing these things, they're not a good fit for your podcast. Okay. So I'll take this back to work on next week and tell my students the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because you're on a million podcasts, uh, I'm not going to tell you to plug any of those or, or get you in trouble with any of those. But are there any podcasts that are on your radar that you would probably say is something that you would ask other people to listen to? Um, No, not really. I really only... I, I never suggest specific podcasts because like what I listen to is what I like. What I will say though is that if you're going to do a podcast and I ask every single person who co- talks to me about podcasts, if you're going to do a podcast, I want to know your top three podcasts that you listen to. And the reason I ask for the top three because is because a lot of people don't listen to podcasts. And I feel like if you don't listen to anybody else's podcast, you shouldn't be doing one. So um, I just want to kind of go back to the beginning of our interview and just talk about how you are a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about progression and how you've progressed so much this year. That's why I am doing this great interview with you. Mm -hmm. What changed since your last interview that you did for yourself besides me being a great uh, interview? What's changed? Yes. Oh, my God. So uh, this this is funny because this is literally what I said about like every other person that I want to interview. I, when I first started Industry Friends, I was 100%. I was a, a client services coordinator at iHeartMedia. I loved it. And I talked about how it took me a long time to get into the field and all that stuff like that. And I was really just kind of getting my feet wet when I was there. But like, also, I feel like I progressed so much from that role, like in regards to myself personally, to myself in communications and media, that I realized that just working there, I was really limiting limiting myself. Like there are so many other things and so many avenues that I wanted to explore, so much money I wanted to make. And, <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to kind of really like step out on faith and do that and really explore communications. I think the biggest thing that I've done since since the my initial interview is legit explore communications. Since the last interview, I've done live podcasts for industry friends. I've interviewed countless like public figures, both for industry friends and other podcasts that I do. I've also been able to, like I said, tap into my own power and skill set and start editing podcasts and actually making a living off of podcasts, which is something that I just never saw possible for myself. For those who are listening for the first time, would you be able to go back and let us know exactly like how did you get your start like what really started you and what motivated you to even start in this industry um so i don't know if i've ever told this story before but like growing up was weird for me in a sense because my I have, I have three other siblings, right? And my siblings, like my brother is such an amazing artist. Like he can draw like with his eyes closed. My my younger brother is super athletic. Like he played every sport growing up. My sister was like she, jack of all trades herself. Like there's so many different things that she was involved in as well. And me, I didn't really, I didn't have any skills to be honest with you. Like, I mean, there was like no, no, like, 
there were no events that the family would go to for me. Like we would go to my sister's games. We would go to my brother's games. We'd go to my other brother's art showcases. But there was never like a we're doing this for Dexter type of situation. And I would try different things. I just wasn't good at them. And, and, and before, let me just say this. I can't draw and, I, and my handwriting looks like a three-year-old. It does. But I don't want to say that I'm not athletic. I just don't do it. But if I wanted to do it, if, if I really wanted to, I could be in the NFL right now. For okay. sure. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. Because I don't want people to think that I'm not athletic. Because I am. Okay, brother. I just okay. didn't do it. All right. And I probably didn't excel at it at that time. But anyway. <laughs> like even like cooking and stuff like that my sister was like amazing at that as well but like for me it was one of those things where it's just like I just never thought of like a talent for myself I just never it just wasn't a thing for me and and my senior year or going into the senior year of high school I got picked to do this this retreat situation right and it was like a, a bunch of seniors or incoming seniors that would go to this retreat at Valley Forge and you would kind of like learn, you would create your own business and all that kind of stuff. I don't even know what it was for, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. It was a weekend retreat. It was cool. So I did it. And then when I was there, they were like, um, we want you to run the marketing and advertising aspect of it. And I, ain't, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what that meant. But I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just here to do what I have to do. And then I started to like talk to, they had professionals there that would kind of guide us through the different things. And I remember when they were talking about, and I can't think of the, the name right now, but they were talking about the turnstiles at bus stops. And they were talking about how that's effective marketing and advertising and how you can put something in a turnstile. I don't even know if we have those anymore, turnstiles at the bus stops. Yeah, I don't think so. But like it basically was like a picture or, or video or like something that goes inside the, the sides of a bus stop that advertises a product. And I remember being so, like, enamored with it. And I remember going home and just looking at the different turnstiles and being like, that's an advertisement, that's an advertisement. And I realized, like, legit advertising is everywhere. So I'm like, when I get older, I want to be a marketing and advertising executive. Like, that's my job. That's what I want to do. And with that, though, I was also kind of shy at this time. And I was like, I really want to get more into this space of talking and communicating and all that stuff like that. So, because I would watch E! News all the time, too, so I really did want to be Ryan Seacrest. So, <laughs> I actually, like, took, like, this this huge step, and I was, like, you know, when I got into my senior year, knowing that I was going to college for communications, I was, like, you know what, let me um, host the, the school talent show, which was the entire school, like, would be coming there, and they would watch you do it or whatever, and I got picked to do it. And like that, I got I bit like by the bug at that point. Like I knew that this was not only what I always wanted to do or what I should be doing, but this is my skill set. Like communicating and talking, the gift of gab. Like that's what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. Like I that is, I know a lot of people will be like that's not really a skill, but like for me, like honestly, and even like growing up and reflecting on how I was growing up or whatever, like I'm a communicator. Like that is my skill. That is my superpower. So, like, that's really how I got my start. And then I went to college. I went to Lincoln University, the first HBCU. And <laughs> and um, their, their communications program was so vast. It was, a, it was called Mass Communications. And I met people there, and they were like, you should do a radio show. I was like, I don't really like my voice. And they were like, yeah, your voice is whatever, but your personality will kill it. 
and I mean, they were right. So, <laughs> so I did like, I did um, radio in college and then like, I was so like impressed with it. So I started to write too. And like, I was one of the lead writers on the newspaper and it's like, whatever I touch when it comes to communications, like low key kind of turned into gold for me. And then I ended my college semester. There was two things that like really like solidified it for me, like really let me know that I was doing something right. One, I had like a really high GPA in my major. So three things. One, I had a really high GPA in my major. Two, my there was like three seniors that were hand selected to work on this movie with Jason Statham. It was called Safe. Have you seen it? I haven't. Well, I worked on that movie. So my name's <laughs> so my name's in the credits okay. of that movie. Um, so Safe, I, I got picked to work on that one. And then finally, like, and at the time, this was such a big deal. Now it's whatever. So and I got hand selected to be the the graduating senior to interview the commencement speaker. And the commencement speaker my year happened to be Bill Cosby. So that was like, for me, that was like the crowning achievement as far as like putting all this work in. And like being a loser on campus because all I think you're doing is like doing stuff in your field, but I, it paid off. It really did pay off in the end. That's good. It's a, it's really cool to hear your story. Again, I know a lot about it, but it's really cool to hear just how you experienced all of that, how you felt through mm-hmm. those experiences. So I wanted to ask a question about, you know, like the year, right? So we talked about progression and we talked about you know, how you started, you know, what, how you, the bug bit you and things like that. Um, how has this process been as far as being in mass communication? Like, has this been an easy process for you to get where you are now? Or has it been some ups and downs and things like that? Can you just share more of how the process has been to even get jobs in your field and mm-hmm. things like that? Oh, for me, it was just super easy. Like, no challenges at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I, honestly, it's it's one of those things that if I didn't love it, like, I wouldn't be able to do it. Because when I, like, I just explained what I did in college, you would think that when you graduate, like, people are going to be wanting you. They're going to be knocking down doors to get to you. But that was not my experience at all. Like, I graduated college, and it took me five years to get into my field. But it's crazy, too, because in hindsight, when I look back on it, I was still doing so well without it, but I was so distracted by it. Like, I was working at jobs. Like, literally, when I got my job at... So, when I graduated college, I started work. I wanted a job, so I started working at Verizon Wireless. And it was in Center City, Philadelphia. And the crazy part about it, I would have days when I would drive to work, and I would... Like, make no sales. And I'm like, ooh, this sucks. I made no sales. And then I would have days that I would drive to work and I would kill it, like, on the sales floor. But then every time I would drive home, I would have to drive to Vine Vine Street and I would see the building for CBS Radio. And I'm like, I'm going to work there. And I can't tell you how many times I applied there. Right now, this is the year of 2011. And I applied to CBS Radio so many times. Every radio station, every TV station outside of the city, in the city, different states like it was insane and I I used to keep my rejection letters too because I'm like one day I'm going to work at these places and I'm going to look back on it and I'm be like look they didn't want me then at this point but look at me now and it got to a point around 2013 that I was like it was kind of low-key depressing to be honest with you and I'm like you can't keep these these rejection letters anymore because you're getting more rejection letters than you're getting responses to anything else. And it really took like a mental toll on me. And I will say to anybody listening to this, don't beat yourself up over rejection letters. There's so many things that I know now about rejection letters that had I known then, I probably 
wouldn't have been as upset about it, but there's like algorithms and there's like certain things that you can't put on a resume. There's people that don't even see it. Like it goes through a computer system. Like there are just so many tricks of the trade when it comes to resumes that it's like you can't beat yourself up over rejection letters and you definitely should not be saving rejection letters. Absolutely That not. is not a good look. But fast forward to 2015, um, it's January, right? And I just got a promotion at work. I'm working at Sprint at this point. I loved wireless. Like, that was my thing. I loved working at wireless companies. I'm working at Sprint at the time. I just got a promotion at work, and my goal is set to save money for the year, move to L.A., and chase the dreams in L.A. And then they always say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And that's what I did. I told him what I was going to do. February um, 2015, I get a call. I'm, I'm sitting at home. I'm watching The Simpsons. And I'm like, let me just apply to CBS Radio again for the three millionth time. And I applied. They had a number for somebody on there. I called that number right away. And they were like, okay, we got your resume this and the third. I got an email almost right away to come in for an interview. And one thing this journey has taught me is patience. Because this was five years after graduation that I'm finally getting some type of like in or an interview in within my field. And some people are luckier than that and they don't have to wait this long and some people it's even longer than that. But just don't give up on yourself, I would say. The interview process, I mean, I started in February. I didn't start working until May. So like if that doesn't teach you patience, I don't know what will. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um and then since then, like I've I've just done really well within the career and I always stay like hungry about it too like I never just want to be super satisfied anywhere that I'm at which scares me because like my retirement plan is just like not there like there's no <laughs> retirement plan um but like I just I just always want to grow within this journey and I know how long it took me and how hard it was to get here so I just never want to give up on it and I always just keep that in, in the back of my head oh good thank you for sharing that advice I think that's really good advice um as you know, our plans aren't always as straightforward as we think that they should be. Um, so it's good to know, you know, there's some ups and downs, but at the end of the day, you are where you are. You're here, Mr. Mass Communication Concierge. <laughs> <laughs> you do it all, jack of trades, all in this mess. Yeah. So, uh, you know, usually ends the show with what's next, and and I'm just going to give. I a, actually end the show with puzzle pieces. Sorry, but, yeah. I'm going to give you a shout out to your old Twitter. Uh, what's next in Instagram? What's next for Dex? <laughs> so let us know what's going to go down next for you. Uh, next for me, honestly, like I really want to grow in the industry of podcasting. I think that's. That's my biggest thing, grow, grow within podcasting. But also, like, I feel like I'm at a place in my life right now where I don't. I want to help other people, too. Like, I love the fact that I have industry friends to help out, but I really, really, really want to put myself out there, help other mass communications majors, help other people who are trying to do podcasts. Like, that is my goal to just, like, literally, like, reach back. And I always say this that's the reason why i created this show but i want to do what other for other people what nobody was able to do for me that's what i want like 100 percent. and before it was always people that were like younger than me and stuff like that but now it's like across the board i just want to do for others what i want done for me or would have wanted done for me awesome okay so now we're going to end it with mm -hmm. uh your famous part at the end your puzzle piece. Yes. Um, if you could give one piece of advice or just something that you want your listeners to take away from this, what would it be? 
I think this really resonates with my life, honestly. And it's like a quote that I've used forever. I'm positive this was in my um my high school yearbook as well. But it's the quote that I use. It's you we've all been provided with the strength to carry our weight. And like that quote has literally like it got me through a lot of stuff, like <laughs> like a lot of uh, rejections and whatnot. But that quote is, is just so real for my life and it's so real for so many other people's lives as well. All right, then. So I'll be carrying my weight. I'm glad to hear about all the weight you've been carrying. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview you today. Uh, it was Were you fun. nervous? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> You're usually in this chair, not me. Um, but I do appreciate the opportunity that you gave me today. Uh-huh. I won't ever do it again. Well, can I just say this, though? I like talking. Like, this was fun. Oh, I like being on the other side. Like, yes. this was cool. Okay. Gift of gab. Right, right. You did good, though. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I didn't want to talk too much. Okay. <laughs> so, again, thank you. Um, and thank you so much for the listeners. And you have listened to another episode of Industry, Industry Friends. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Industry Friends is now on Instagram at Industry Friends. So, after you rate the show, subscribe to the show, repost the show, review the show, and tell your friends about it, follow us on Instagram at Industry Friends. Industry, Industry Friends. Friends. Friends.